Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Joe Galati podcast, broadcasting high above the Texas Medical Center in Houston, purveyor of all things related to the liver, health and wellness, nutrition, food and cooking, and all-around doctor banter and witty repartee with our experts that visit us. Our website is drjoegalati.com. If you'd like to send me a note, subscribe to our newsletter, or even see me as a patient. If you want to call and be part of the program, dial us at 888-438-9431. And now, on with the podcast. Coming to you live from Houston, Texas, home to the world's largest medical center. Uh, approach phase, everything looking good. 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 This is Your Health First, the most beneficial health program on radio with Dr. Joe Galati. During the next hour, you'll learn about health, wellness, and the prevention of disease. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Galati. Well, another good Sunday evening to everybody. I'm Dr. Joe Galati, your humbled host every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m. My goal, along with everybody on our team, is to make you the best consumer of healthcare. Have you learn and realize that you need to take an active role in your wellness. It's as simple as that. Laying back, letting things slide is not good enough anymore. And so we want everybody to take an active role. And that means understanding, understanding what is going on. Have an appreciation for the aches and pains or the appreciation if you've got some abnormal liver chemistries or a scan comes back that is a little bit abnormal. You need to know what to do. And unfortunately, and I talk about this in my book, Eating Yourself Sick, all too many times, and and the only reason I am saying this is because every single day that I'm at work seeing my own patients, this is the story I hear. They come with an abnormal scan, be it ultrasound, CAT scan, MRI, And they are told, oh, you know what? It's really not much to worry about. We'll get another one in six months. We'll get another one in a year. Or people forget about it. You have to realize that if there are these abnormalities on these different imaging studies, you need a decent explanation. Now, it may turn out that it is not anything, but you need to be able to follow this through to completion And the truth is, this takes time, energy, and an explanation. And we need to demand that, you need to demand that, from your care team. It's as simple as that. All right, so how do you get in touch with us? Well, first, go to drjoegalati.com, drjoegalati.com. That is your portal to our practice, Liver Specialists of Texas, the portal to the radio program, yourhealthfirst.com. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of our social media uh, 
is linked on drjoegalati.com. So you could sign up for our newsletter, which will be going out in the next week or so. And of course, you could send me a message and tell me what you want to hear more of here on the program, Your Health First. All right. Well, it is, uh, gosh, it has been another, another fast and furious week at uh, at my end. And one thing, uh, uh, as many of you know, we're involved in clinical research and especially in liver disease. And there is a lot of activity in, in the world of fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And there are a number of companies, some that you may be familiar with, some that are new to the world of drug development that we're involved with. And the opportunities to get involved in a research project are really very good nowadays. And so what I would say to everybody, and and certainly the, the, the patients in my practice are the ones that primarily are being recruited for these research studies, be it hepatitis C, hepatitis B, cirrhosis, or fatty liver. But we, we, on a regular basis, get listeners from the radio that happen to have a particular disease that we're doing research in. And so what I would say is if you have been told you have a fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, some people call it NASH, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, then I would say give us a call or send an email through the website, drjogalati.com, and our research team could screen you for one of the research studies. Now, the nice thing about research, and if you are qualified, you certainly will get more information about this, the therapies associated with the research, including medication, certain blood tests, ultrasound, fiber scan, other diagnostic tests, clinic visits are all covered under the budget for the clinical study. And so this is one of those situations where not having insurance or being underinsured is a benefit. You certainly can participate in clinical research and uh, get and many times, the treatment uh, that you would benefit from. Now, what I want to leave you with uh, in this first segment here is another great article in the New York Times by Anahad O'Connor. You hear me talking about Anahad all the time, and he is an excellent writer in the health and wellness uh, area for the New York Times. And this week... He had an article, and it's titled, Cutting 300 Calories a Day Shows Health Benefits. 300 calories. And what what they've known, and I, I actually have heard this before, calorie restriction leads to weight loss, lower cholesterol, and less inflammation. Now, whether or not, this is one of the, the questions in the article, whether or not it extends lifespan, will you live longer? and wards off off wards off disease long term remains unproven so if you lose weight you cut your cholesterol you cut your inflammation 
are you going to live longer? Are you going to have less lung cancer, colon cancer, uh, et cetera? It's, it's really unclear. But the, um, the deal here was they, uh, the study was published in Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinologist, and the researchers looked at about 143 healthy men and women who ranged in age from 21 to 50. Now, they were instructed to cut their calories for about two years. They could eat the foods they wanted as long as they were going to cut back the amount of food and cut down the calories by about 25%, which sort of came to about 300 calories. And what they found is, on average, the dieters managed to slash out 12% of the total calories are roughly 300 calories a day. Now, what they talk about in the article, the amount in a large bagel, a few chocolate chip cookies, or a small Starbucks mocha. These folks lost weight and body fat. Their cholesterol levels improved, blood pressure fell, and they had better blood glucose control and evidence of less inflammation. They lost about 16 pounds over two years. And so with this said, the central issue is, do we all need to reduce the amount of calories? And I would say, of course we do. We are consuming too many calories. And if you look at it, the size of the portions that we're getting. You go out to eat. I say eating out is a hazard to your health. The main reason is you're getting too many damn calories. And so if you could cut back on the amount you eat, you don't need all the food that you get at at a restaurant. You don't need free refills of your favorite soda. You don't need endless chips and salsa and cheese on your table. But cutting it by just a mere 300 calories has a tremendous windfall benefit. So without a doubt, something to think of. All right, we're going to take a break. Segment one over. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take the last train to Foxville and I'll meet you at the station. You can be Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Joe Galati, every Sunday, broadcasting between 7 and 8 p.m., your health first. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com. Sign up for our newsletter. All right, everybody, a, uh, a total treat this week. On the line, Justin Batt, author of the book Daddy Saturday, How to Be an Intentional Dad to Raise Good Kids Who Become Great Adults. Man, if this is not right up my alley, Justin, welcome to the program today. Dr. Galati, good to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, a lot of people may think, okay, Daddy Saturday, what is this all about? So, uh 
really start from the beginning. What is Daddy Saturday, and how, how did you get involved in this? Sure. So it all started in my backyard with, with my children. I have four children now, but about 10 years ago, my wife and I were expecting our first child, our, our daughter, uh-huh. Hayden Olivia. And my wife was a, a budding entrepreneur. She was starting a couture bridal boutique. And as she started that business, and we named it after our daughter, uh, being the entrepreneur that she was, it required her to work every Saturday in her store, being the busiest day in retail. And so I found myself as a young professional home with our two-week-old infant daughter at the time by myself on Saturday all day. And we added three more children to that mix, three boys in a row every two years. And it wasn't long before she was still running the store and I was still home by myself on Saturdays. But now I had moved my way up in a corporate career and found myself as an overwhelmed, stressed out, just frustrated, tired dad who wanted more with his kids but didn't really know how to do it or what to do. And so I just started to plan my days with my kids and be intentional and create a game plan for our Saturdays together. And it wasn't long before um, those turned into some epic moments and memories and a lot of fun. And we recorded them, put them on YouTube, started showing our videos, and people started to ask a lot of questions about it. And I recognized quickly that the growth that I was seeing in myself as a father and my children individually and, and collectively as a family unit and our communication and the relationship was something that I had something special. My kids essentially named it Daddy Saturday by asking for what we were going to do midweek. And it wasn't long before I, I felt that I had a calling to take this beyond just my family and help other fathers who were probably struggling with the same things that I was struggling with, being tired, being intentional, managing that tension between work and home, and being the father that they knew that they were called to be. Wow. That is a great story. Where, where did you... Uh, you know, where did you pull the inspiration to really stick with this and not have the frustration uh, sort of grow in and and make this all turn into a flop? You know, you stuck with it. You're, you're, you know, it's been many years since you, you, you know, your kids are a bit older now. Uh, but there's got to be some internal fire that uh, made you keep going with this. Sure. So I think first and foremost, it started with my own kids, and you know they they were great about holding me accountable, and, and I set the bar pretty high, and we kept setting the bar higher and creating more epic Saturdays together. And so, you know, midweek they would start asking, "Dad, what are we doing for Daddy Saturday? What's the right. plan?" You know, and I would try to keep it a surprise, and they would look forward to it, and we'd have friends coming over, and the neighborhood kids, and some of their fathers. So you know, just the nature of the environment that we created, and I call it hype. So on Saturday mornings, a lot of times, you know, I'll get the music playing and to get them out of bed, we'll get, we'll have pancakes flipping and they'll run out and run through like a Daddy Saturday banner that we have. And we make it quite an event and they're 11, 9, 7, and 5 at this point. And right. we still get hyped up for our Saturdays together. And then beyond that, I think that the next piece was when I felt that it was my calling and that there was more here for me to do and more people to impact than that why uh, that I've now centered on has really driven me to, to help others. And I think when you're giving... Um, both to my children and, and now to others, I think that's the driver, and it, it helps me move forward. Now, I'll put a big caveat there, because by all means, don't make this out to be something where all those days have been perfect, right? right There's still sure. been days where I've been tired or sick, or my, my grand plans that I've made for our kids' day together has failed. Like, I'm not handy. I'm, I'm the least handy guy in the world, probably, and so me trying to construct something like an obstacle course, it has failed more times than I can count. But we still had a lot of fun together, and some of those still moments are actually some of our, our most special times we've had together. 
Yeah, you know, just just listening to this and for all the the parents and the dads listening here, and knowing this myself as coming from a family where uh, my mom and dad were uh, very involved and and we had plans and myself, uh, you know, with my own family, I think the the one word that sort of is 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 a thread connecting here is passion. You have to have passion with regard to wanting to be that parent, wanting to motivate, wanting to uh, be a good role model for your kids. A lot of this does not happen by chance. Would you agree? Oh, completely. And I think if you leave it to chance, as we say in our household, the days can be so long, but the years are so short. And right. we've got jars full of, of pebbles that sit on our mantle, and each of those pebbles represents a week that our child has in the home. A child, on average, has about 900 to 930 weeks in the home before they leave for college or work or wherever they go after they turn 18. And and so that time is so short. And if you leave it to chance, those days are going to go by and you're going to miss the opportunities. And I think that's the one thing that being intentional does or having passion in this space does is it helps you start to cherish more moments and be more intentional. And you add up all those micro moments, and that's what leads to long-term success with your children. Absolutely. And Justin, I would say with with all the time, effort, and research that you've put into this, I would consider you an expert on parenthood and fatherhood. What what do you think is the current state of fatherhood in the United States? Uh, there's been a lot written about it. It seems on one end, fatherhood is under attack. On the other end, uh, there's all sorts of stressors that that bleed off that passion. What do you think is really going on out there? Well, I appreciate the question. And, you know, I would say I'm I'm far from an expert, but I'm a guy who's got a lot of hours into being an intentional dad with my kids. So I've I've done it at least by by sheer will. And what I found in my own research and talking to other fathers in my partnership with the National Center for Fathering, who does have a lot of empirical data And what I would say is we can take my opinion or you can look at the facts. And the facts are that over 20 million children in America today suffer from fatherlessness, meaning they have the lack of a biological father in the home. But millions more, Dr. Galati, have a father who's physically present but emotionally absent. Right. That's what I like to call presenteeism, and that's a whole other form of fatherlessness. So when you combine those numbers, I mean, we are talking... 40-plus million children in America today are impacted by fatherlessness in some form or fashion, and fatherhood's in a sour state. You want to add on top of that the emasculation of the the man in today's society and some of the movements that are out there going against men, and, you know, it's not easy for a father today. And then you throw on top of that just some more fuel to the fire and all the distractions, meaning technology as an example, all the stressors that are placed on men today— and being a dad is not easy, and that's why I wrote the book. That's why I have this platform, is because I feel like there is a solution, and the solution is intentionality, and it's being present and emotionally available for your children. Hold that thought right there. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. We're talking with Justin Bat. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. On the line is Justin Bat. 
the author of Daddy Saturday, How to Be an Intentional Dad to Raise Good Kids Who Become Great Adults. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you put it very well. Now, the one, the one area where you and I overlap is that we have a belief that an intact family with intact mothers and fathers, and there's good communication. And, and really what you're doing is you're, you're setting up a solid foundation for these children to grow into adolescence and, and adults, is that their health and wellness definitely pivots on the experience they have with their family and their parents uh, as young children, as you're talking about. What, what's the message tonight on that? Oh, man. You know, you talk about another sour state. One in five school-age children today suffer from childhood obesity. Right. Think about that. One in five. And, you know, I don't blame the children. And I look at that, and that's a, that's a parenting problem. That right. is a modeling problem. And how can we expect children who suffer from obesity to, to grow up and become healthy adults? It's the habits, it's the rituals, it's the behaviors they're taught in the home and so we as parents, the mothers and fathers, need to step up, and we need to be an example for our children and model the types of behavior with diet and exercise and, and appropriate use of technology and screen time and all of those things now that are causing so much of the epidemic that we now see with childhood obesity and, and other ailments. And, you know, I feel like and when I look at the, the data and I look at what I see around me, it really comes down to it's a matter of choices, mm-hmm. and it's a matter of being comfortable or being uncomfortable. Because the comfortable thing is when your kids are in the store and they're begging for Twinkies, you buy them the Twinkies because it's the easy thing to do, because then they'll be quiet and they're happy because they got the Twinkies and you move on. Right. The uncomfortable thing to do is to say no and say there's a better choice, and let me tell you why and explain that to your kids and teach them the principles of healthy eating and healthy behavior. And you know, they, they get those healthy behaviors. I'll tell you, my kids, that like, far more is caught than taught as a great principle. And my kids, they watch me get up every morning and exercise as part of my routine. And I do it before they even wake up, but they see me come back in the house sweaty from running or from right. the gym, and they know it's a part of my day. My kids have now, they're 11, 9, 7, and 5, and they get up in the mornings, and they've started to ask me if I can help them exercise in the morning before they go to school. You should see the smile on my face when that happened. Oh, yeah. Um, I, have some, I have some food allergies, so there are some restrictions. I don't eat gluten, dairy, or soy um, because of allergies. Yet, um, my children watched that, and they started to make some choices. So now they say, hey, Dad, we actually like the cauliflower pizza better than the other pizza. Can we have cauliflower crust pizza? Or yeah. can we have cauliflower instead of rice? Um, they like it, but it's all because of modeling and seeing it and trying it and knowing that it's acceptable. You know, I would say the big theme that I talk about any chance, and I, I talk about it in, in, uh, in my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is that the negative impact of not eating as a family on the children ranges from uh, more risky behavior for the children, greater chance of uh, sort of emotional instability, less communication, and so we all want kids to be safe and successful and just a little better than what mom and dad were, but it's, it, we're neglecting the simplest things to get them to that point. All, you know, in a, in a sense, you and I 
Of course, we both have all the answers. Uh, all we need to do is is have meals at home. I know there are challenges, but let's just start with one meal, be it Wednesday, be it Saturday, be it Friday, and you'll see that you you teach the kids and model, as you say, because they're going to mirror what, what we are doing, uh, to say, look, it's okay to eat as a family and the fun that we could have. Again, you don't want to sit at a table and be a bunch of mopes sitting at the table. You engage them and play games and have a little bit of fun. But that one activity, if you want to call it, does so much for the children long-term. Couldn't agree more. I think you're absolutely spot on, and I know your book talks a lot about that. And I think one thing that we also shared in Daddy Saturday and something that's helped me out is, is to your point, creating that engaging time Right. When you're all together as a family, you don't want to just sit there like a bunch of mopes. One thing real practical for your listeners that we've done works for any age is a game called Table Topics. It's a little round cube with a bunch of cards. We play the family edition. You pull out a card. It's got a question on it. You ask the question to the entire table. Everyone goes around and shares their answers. And with three boys and the ages that they are, at some point bodily functions get brought up. All and right. The conversation and, you know, milk's coming out of the nose and people are laughing and we're having a great time. But family meals have become very enjoyable. And, you know, broccoli goes down a lot easier when you're laughing and sharing and having fun together as a family. Man, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, the one thing that, that I see in my patients and, and families that I see and a lot of the younger people is uh, people are not too interested in cooking. So we could say, yes, yeah, sit around the family table. Uh, well, you know, dad went out and, you know, got takeout and we're sitting around. Um, you know, I would say partial credit for that. But, you know, the skill of, of uh, you know, the parents cooking and the kids participating in, you know, chopping the vegetables and stirring the sauce and setting the table. Do you, um, do you see that that's something that we can really attain or... Are you and I living in some Ozzy and Harriet world? What do you think? You remember <laughs> well, Ozzy I'll, and Harriet, I hope. You, I am I a do, couple years I older do. than you, but, you know. No, I do. I sure do. Well, look, I, I would say from my own personal experience, my father, my mom was a fabulous cook. My grandmother was an even more incredible cook. And my mom had five squares for us every night, and that was just the way that I grew up. And so I learned that if I wanted to have a consistent meal like my mother used to make for me, I had to learn to cook for myself. And it right. was when, even when I got married, I just continued that trend. And so my wife and I split the duties, but oftentimes I'll come home and take over even if she starts. I just enjoy it. It's a release for me. Right. But it's something I've always done. And I've done it also intentionally because my kids see me cooking. And it's not just dad on the grill. Dad takes part in and helping make the meals. And I think that's an important part for every father. And it, you don't have to be talented. It you don't have to make you know, gourmet Michelin four-star meals. No, not it at be all. Really simple stuff. It could be breakfast for dinner, right? And and so if you're making, making good choices and you get your kids involved, again, it's all about those behaviors, those rituals, creating traditions together as a family. And it's that quality time together. Those can be some of the most magical moments. Um, again, we do stuff like we, we will make pizzas together, right? We'll, we'll get the cauliflower crust. We'll all make pizzas. We get healthy toppings. The kids have a blast making those. It's so simple. It doesn't even take that long, and it's a great family moment, family memory. Don't have to do it every night. Realize that that's not practical. But as you said, start with one night a week and work from there. And before you know it, you, you may have 
most nights of the week where that's occurring. You know, I think the you know the one the one thing is since it's going to be coming from the dad transmitted down to the children. I, you know, I almost feel that uh, you know the calling that I've got, and I'm I'm going to drag you along with me is that you, we almost need to set up a boot camp for dads. Now, of course, with social media and digital, and you know all sorts of learning tools that are out there, but almost a boot camp where uh, you know men come in and we teach them to cook for their kids. Again, we're not looking for some elaborate meal. We're talking about you know, you know, grilling some vegetables, how to cook a piece of fish, how to chop an onion, and and then have them go forward and be successful with the kids. Yeah, I I love the idea, and you know, we we have a uh, Daddy Saturday Dad Box, which will be a, a physical, tangible tool that will provide to dads, and that's wow. one of the things that we're looking to include in that, and and you know, getting experts' advice like yours on how to make those meals or how, right. how do you switch this for that right so if, if you're if you normally have something that's unhealthy how do you switch something that's healthy in exchange and how do you make it appealing to your kids and absolutely i saw this um in this image uh, it was called a um, avocado guac a dial and wow. they took avocado shells and made it look like a crocodile and it was the coolest thing i've ever seen it didn't look like it took that much work basically you make guacamole you put it back in the shell right and you put some little carrots for teeth and you make the eyes and it looks like a crocodile, and I know my kids would go nuts over that. And there's a healthy snack that you can make with your kids. So, again, it's all about being intentional, the most important piece. And I couldn't agree more with you. I think that dads could really benefit from that. And, again, it's the example that you set. And so if you're not cooking for your kids and you have boys in your home, then how do you expect them to do the same thing when they have their families down the line? You're just going to perpetuate some oh, of the problems absolutely. that we already have today. Absolutely. So, Justin, in, in uh, a mere 30 seconds to final uh, to finalize uh, tonight's interview, what would you say to everybody listening tonight to be that intentional dad, uh, parent with purpose, uh, and be a role model? What, what, what do you think you want to leave them with? Well, I would say this. Um, Blend your professional and your personal life. The biggest challenge I see with most fathers is how do I do it and what do I do? And so we've got lots of resources through Daddy Saturday. You can go to daddysaturday.com. You can get the book. You have an Alexa skill that you can even download. But the whole point is that you got to blend those two areas of your life together. Calendar everything. Be intentional. Set the dates for family dinners, for date nights with your daughters, for guys night outs with your son, for right. Daddy Saturday events. And if you do that and do that consistently, you'll raise good kids that become great adults. Justin, I got to say, you're on to something big. And uh, I think everybody listening tonight is going to enjoy it. And uh, we'll, we'll put information about Justin and his book, Daddy Saturday, on the website, the podcast. And, uh, you know, these, these are the kind of uh, individuals we are going to back. Justin, thanks very much for coming on. Thank you, sir. Such a pleasure. Anytime. Final segment coming up. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com. Final segment coming up. We'll be right back.
final segment for this week's installment of Your Health First. Don't forget, go to yourhealthfirst.com. And so much to do there. Take a look at our practice, Liver Specialists of Texas. There's the website for the radio program, yourhealthfirst.com. And uh, the links to all of our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all there by going to drjoegalati.com. I want to thank Justin Batt for coming on the last segment. He is such a gentleman and such a good father. And the Daddy Saturday book is available on Amazon, and I'm sure all places that books are available online. And when we talk about the health and wellness of our children, of our families, there needs to be a healthy infrastructure, a framework where we know that people are going to flourish, our children are going to flourish. And so what Justin talks about in Daddy Saturday and the... the uh, proposals that he puts forward on engaging with the children and keeping them active and being an intentional dad. And that word intentional goes into the realm of our wellness. You have to be intentional. And I I, I, I do feel like there are a handful of catchphrases that I say all the time, not only on the radio, but with my patients, that you have to be intentional with your health. Good health does not happen by chance. You have to take the time and really invest in it. And it doesn't mean a whole ton of money or a whole bunch of time. It is to be intentional. All right, well, there was an uh, article, and it, it, the question is, how low should blood pressure go? Well, first of all, before we talk about how low should it go, let's talk about how high it should go or it can go. All right, now the American Heart Association over the years, and I'm going to talk about this in a second, have adjusted what the blood pressure guidelines should be. And all of you need to know this. And so right now, a normal blood pressure is considered a systolic blood pressure less than 120. That's the top number. Diastolic pressure should be less than 80. Elevated blood pressure is between 120 to 129. And uh, still, the diastolic, less than 80. High blood pressure stage 1 is between 130 and 139, with a diastolic of 80 to 89. High blood pressure stage 2, 140 or greater, or a diastolic of 90 or higher. And then hypertensive crisis, which is dangerous, medical emergency, contact your doctor right away, is a blood pressure of 180 or greater on the systolic or greater than 120 on the diastolic. And trust me, there there are people that walk into my office with these kinds of pressures. And a lot of it has to do with either not taking your medicines, gaining weight, wrong diet, lack of exercise, and 
overall neglect. So really, how low should it go? Okay, if your blood pressure is too low, you are probably going to develop a number of symptoms. Okay, now, let me just say, the successive guidelines in lowering the blood pressure It started off 160 over 95 in 1973. All of our parents were walking around with heart attacks, and they were probably stroking out. Then by uh, 1997, it was 140 over 90. And then after that, it was 130 over 80. And in 2018, 2019, 120 over 80. So 120 over 80 is the uh, is the goal now. Now, many have taken the attitude, physicians that is, the lower the better. But what we see is that a lot of patients are on two and three medications for their blood pressure. And the blood pressure is bouncing around all over the place. And so most would say that the symptoms of low blood pressure is what really will trigger you to talk with somebody. Now, the symptoms typically are are going to be lightheadedness, especially lightheadedness when you stand up or get up out of bed. At extreme lightheadedness, you may pass out and faint. Fainting may be a sign that blood pressure is dangerously low, and you really have to get help right away. Other symptoms may be some GI symptoms, nausea, some fatigue, or even blurry vision. You're just not getting enough brain up to your up to your noggin. And so the symptoms of low blood pressure, as I said earlier, may be a result of too many medicines. And at that point, you really need to talk to your doctor and get a little bit more investigation. They have all sorts of ambulatory monitoring of blood pressure so that when you're having these symptoms, it could actually document if you're dizzy or lightheaded due to your heart rate speeding up, your heart rate slowing down, an inner ear problem, or actually related to a blood pressure problem. But I think the key thing is be mindful, be aware of these symptoms, And do check in with your doc if you're having side effects or symptoms related to this, because the first thing people are going to do is stop taking their medicine. And when you stop taking the medicine, the blood pressure is going to jump up, and that's not good. So with that said, another week of Your Health First is completed. Hope you are going to have a great week. Make sure you eat right. Cook for your family. Be a mindful dad. Listen to what Justin Batt had to say. And of course, take your health seriously. Don't forget, go to drjogalati.com. We will see you, of course, next Sunday evening. Thanks for listening today to our podcast. Don't forget, for more information, check out drjogalati.com. Information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there, as well as our clinical practice, radio program, and social media links. We need you to be part of our tribe and community. Until we meet again, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Ciao.